right. Welcome to uh, Policy Today, a podcast from the Washington Research Council. This is Mary Strau. I'm happy to be joined today by State Representative Brian Blake, a Democrat from the 19th Legislative District, um, which is on the Olympic Peninsula. Well, actually, it's the southwest coast. Southwest coast. Uh, all of Wakaiakum and Pacific Counties, parts of Cowlitz, Grays Harbor, and Lewis Counties. Um, you live in Aberdeen? Yes, and you have been in office since 2002, Yes, correct? December 17th of 2002. Wow. Was that a special yeah, or an the, appointment? Yeah, when Sid Snyder retired, it set oh, off a, uh, a bunch of events that uh, led to my um, getting into the legislature, which was a plan I had uh, been working on for about five years up to that date. And it all came together. It all came together. All right. Fantastic. So we are here today. um, Of course, we'd love to have you on another time to talk about other issues. But one of the things um, that has sort of been a hallmark of this podcast, um, of the Common Ground podcast, is um, look, you know, sort of trying to look at the increased polarization and how parties can work together to actually. Um, serve the public. And what we saw in your district um, in the 2016 presidential election and in other elections was that a lot of voters who had traditionally voted Democrat, Democratic, um, perhaps never even voted, I'm sure some of them, at least for president, uh, for a Democrat in their life, voted for Donald Trump. And um, we're, this isn't going to turn into a podcast about, you know, either praising Donald Trump or disavowing him, more looking at the issues um, and the concerns of your constituents and what led to um, them making the decision uh, and maybe what issues need to be addressed. Um, so I'll just, and, and just to, to, to set up in the 2016 election, um, a lot of counties that had in the past really not not voted in decades for a, a Republican for president ended up voting for Donald Trump. So it was seen as a really big sea change. So I'm going to let you take it away and give your thoughts about why this happened, um, the concerns of your constituents. Um, did they feel let down by the system and what they expect maybe from a President Trump, or just what they're expecting from their federal or state government. Okay, well, well, thank you for the offer. I think, you know, I, I knew that uh, Trump would do well, President, now President Trump would do well mm-hmm. in, uh, in rural Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks have felt left out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, recession hit terribly mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in rural Washington, and there's been limited recovery yeah. if any and the world's changing there's frustration uh, uh, the mail infrastructure uh, is changing some of it going away this is it in the the timber industry which yeah. yeah the timber industry is still big in the 19th yeah. but but it's different there's been a change in the structure uh, because of federal tax law mm. and other federal policies the the 19th district itself has no federal timber in it but it's bordered to the north by the Olympic National Forest and and uh, the uh, Gifford Pinchot right uh, down 
borders Cowlitz County. And those were historically uh, significant economic drivers uh, for the 19th district. And they're actually very little uh, economic economic activity coming from either of those areas there's some recreation there's still some timber coming off in limited amounts Mm -hmm. um but uh you know they see uh, the forest service destroying recreational access um really interesting uh, after they've destroyed the 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 timber industry that was occurring on the the forest service and Mm -hmm. there's frustration absolutely Um, uh, you know, we've been told to kind of transition to a uh, a, uh, a tourist economy, and at simultaneously, while that has been uh, slowly destroyed, I'm working on an issue up on the Hump Tulips, uh, uh, where the Forest Service just destroyed a, a drift boat launch on a gravel bar, yeah. and there's just frustration. So I saw it coming, you know, the frustration in the 19th uh, uh, there was a, a transition in the 30s under FDR, right. and uh, um, Grace Harbor went from solid Republican to pretty solid de- Democratic for mm-hmm. decades, mm-hmm. and and I think some folks have um, j- relied on that transition and not uh, continued to uh, invest in the people of the 19th and and mm-hmm. folks saw that and mm-hmm. uh, uh there was no one thing that causes right. voters to turn um the uh i think the uh the the statewide campaigns didn't have for statewide candidates didn't have much of a presence in southwest washington mm-hmm. uh the governor was out a little bit but you saw pretty much a sweep in all five of those counties by Republican yeah. statewide officials, uh, except for the attorney general. Mm-hmm. But his opponent was a libertarian. Right. And yeah. uh, other than that, I think Patty Murray won Grace Harbor uh, just by a small amount. And, oh, interesting. And uh, uh, Derek Kilmer did fine mm-hmm. in Grace Harbor. Um and I think uh, Dean Tackle and I both did fine right. in the 19th. I got 59, almost 60%. Yeah. And uh, and I think, you know, we are in the district and uh, respond to the needs of the voters. And there's just a Democratic candidate in the 19th may be a little different than a candidate in another district. Oh, sure. Uh, Democratic districts, in even in the Puget Sound region, um, have different characters sure. and, and respond to different uh, uh, candidates differently. Yeah. And, uh, and I think Dean and I, with our strong numbers, are the result of, you know, some wedge issues. Guns are always an issue that I think Right. My party messages very poorly on, mm-hmm. and uh, and Senator Tackle and I refuse to get caught up in that uh, poor messaging. Mm-hmm. And uh, but jobs, uh, the uh, you look at uh, the shellfish industry is just critical to Willapa Bay, mm-hmm. and it's been under fire uh, in recent years. Sure. 
in trying to, uh, these farmers trying to maintain access to their private farmland in Willapaw Bay and uh, trying to battle the burrowing shrimp, which is a native species, but uh, causing economic problems. And they've been looking for tools, and some of those tools um, uh, are difficult for some folks to understand. Uh, but I think it's necessary to keep those industries vibrant. You know, what tool is it a? Is it a case of sort of? Well, in some cases, environmentalists versus. Yeah, in some cases, it's a uh, you know they've been switching to a different chemical to control. Oh, I see. Yeah. The shrimp to control the shrimp. Yeah. And and that um, messaging kind of got spun out of control. Okay. Uh, with some lack of factual. Uh, reporting right. and uh, and it led to um, some some market forces coming into play mm-hmm. and 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 it caused them to pull back on 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 that uh, use of that chemical and right. and to reevaluate and we're still working on that to find either um, the use of that chemical in a, a lim- more limited area. And uh, so it's difficult. Those farmers, when when a farmer loses access to forty acres of ground, that's it. That's a family or two that's going to lose employment. And where are they going to go? They're going to go somewhere else. And and uh, and can they? I mean, how easy is it to? It's not say, easy. Relocate and you transfer know? that skill set to something else. Yeah, and that's for a family less wage kids job. in a school and right. And so it's it's a a spiral downward for many of these communities mm-hmm. um uh, the fisheries issues the uh the fish and wildlife commission severely cut hatchery production in the willapa mm. uh wrongly in in my estimation mm-hmm. and uh next year's season you're gonna see uh poor fishing by both uh the commercial and sport fisheries and i'm still frustrated why uh, elements of the sports fishing community are supporting cutting this hatchery production. It makes no sense why they would do that. Um, I fought back personally and, and got some additional production put in the budget, but it may be too little too late if uh, the commission doesn't turn this around with the wrong-headed policy I right. think they have. So it's a lot of little things. A lot it's, of things. Uh, but the, they add up to... They add up to... And what I'm hearing as you're going through this, granted, we all know the economy's changing and there would have been some upheaval anyway. But it seems to me that there's been some extra roadblocks established by the government itself. And for... You know, people in the district, for example, who loved FDR, and I, I read somewhere where you, you were first campaigning, you'd find in a lot of homes framed pictures of FDR. And you I bet. remember my own parents, um, when they were Democrats, you know, you could not say a bad word about FDR. And so it's like the government was there to help them right. and protect them and their way of life. And then when you see, wait a minute, they're like, who's on our side? And... You know, we're just trying to do our jobs and our livelihood, and the you know, stuff I think is what happening. What he gave people was the dignity of what, work. Trump, yes, of work. Oh, FDR. 
Yeah, yeah. FDR yeah. gave people the, the dignity yes. of work, and that's what they're looking for. He valued work. Yes, work. Even if it was the WPA or the Civilian Conservation Corps. It was like, we're not just going to like, oh, we're going to cut you a check and get, we're going to, there's a value in work. And like, we're not going to say you're put out to pasture and right. we don't need you. You have no value to add. You do have value to add. And and so that's, I think, uh, there was a certain uh Trump, I suppose, uh, um, they said, you know, we have nothing to lose. Let's try right. something different. Yeah, I mean, personally with Trump, I, you know, I'm a Republican, but I didn't, I didn't vote for it. But what, what I kept thinking was, well, nature abhors a vacuum, right? So if neither party's talking about these issues and someone comes in, yeah, he may be an imperfect messenger. And yeah, it may not be, it may not work out, but... It's like he's, you know, what the hell do you have to lose? Like, at least somebody is acknowledging what we're going through and showing us some respect. Yeah. And, I think- and, and, and what you do. It's not like, oh, we're going to take care of you. We're going to, it's like respecting what they do and their lifestyle and their, their work, whether it's timber, fisheries, whatever. We're not going to try to. And kind of the. Um- the, what it's not talked about so much is I have to believe, being a, a Bernie supporter myself. Oh, were you a Bernie supporter? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, the, uh, I mean, it was just amazing the strength of the support for Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. in the 19th district. And every imagine. one of those yes. five counties, um, people were energized by Bernie right. Sanders. Uh, yeah. They may not even have agreed with him on many issues. But they felt like we have to try something different, right? And I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, um, and I have to wonder. And I personally believe that had Bernie Sanders been on the ballot in the general against election against Donald Trump, you think he would have? He uh, probably would have carried at least four of those counties, right? Yeah, and and we'd be having a different conversation. A different conversation. Yeah. It was. Uh, um, he people responded to him differently than they responded to uh, Secretary Clinton. And uh, absolutely, well, he wouldn't have called them deplorable. Yeah, right? I suppose you could you could say that. <laughs> and uh, um, so I think there was mistakes made in some right. of the campaigns. I mean, it all adds up. Uh, sure. Uh, and I think that. Uh, you know, let's see where this goes. I think right. people are looking for um, investment in infrastructure. Yeah. You know, the uh, you look at that lower Columbia region, I think I have something like eight ports in my district. Interesting. And they're little tiny ports right. for the most part. You know, you have the port of uh, Longview, uh, Calisca yeah. County sure. in, in the south. And uh, and Grace Harbor in the north. But then you know, the port of Peninsula and the and the Port of Ilwaco and the Port of Chinook and Wakayakum One and Wakayakum mm-hmm. Two, and uh, the Port of Chinook. I and I think there's another one in there somewhere. Um, uh, Willapaws in a couple places, mm-hmm. and and the little marina at Tokeland. and uh, those ports are very critical to economic activity, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be commercial or sport fisheries, the shellfish okay. industry. Yeah. Um, recreational access, right. and and several of them are 
in difficult places right now, especially the, the Port of Chinook had just had a dredge uh, go down. It probably won't be recovered. Um, uh, both the Port of Chinook and Iwako, um, and they have the ability to dredge, but they have nowhere to put their dredge spoils. Mm. At this point, they're reaching capacity for their land um, uh, storage of those dredge spoils. And What is the issue? Like, if, if they could find... What what would have to be done? Is there a, a policy change that could happen? Or well, um, and when you say they're dredged, but so you dredge up and then you, you, th- you there's dredge somewhere and to then put you the, put it on land and the water drains out. And, right. And in the case of both Chinook and you know, Waco, they're very fine. Uh, it's very fine material. So mm-hmm. um, uh, I've joked with them that you know this stuff should be bagged and marketed. <laughs> In garden stores right. in Puget Sound, is soil amendments for your garden. This is yeah, uh, you know, Rich pure nutrients. and it's local. Uh, You'd you be know, buying local. <laughs> Columbia River, um, a silt, and, oh. and uh, we'll see. You know, if anybody listens to this podcast mm-hmm. and interested in a business, I think uh, uh, there's opportunity there. But uh, so yeah, getting those marinas dredged out. I mean, it got so bad at Iwako that the uh, uh, even the Coast Guard uh, uh, was getting silted in and might not be able to respond. Wow. And uh, So it's a huge issue. A very huge issue. So yeah. it's little things like that, infrastructure. Infrastructure. What, and so what other types of infrastructure? Like what would, um, and again, I'm not making this all about Trump, but either on the state level or at the federal level, what type of infrastructure well, the, the Gov- world, in terms of what government, the do. world is changing, as evidenced on, on this podcast we're doing. Um, I think high-speed internet. You okay. Know, as these things are evolving so fast, uh, uh, getting the investment in that infrastructure out into rural America and uh, allowing. Uh, and that would be something that government would probably have to take the lead on because it. It's not, you know, if you look at it from a business point, oh, well, that doesn't, you know, the, the cost of it would yeah, be too it, much. So that would be where the government could step in. Getting that service to the end of the road exactly. is not always economically um, uh, doable. Right. And, and so the, I think there's a partnership available, sure. you know, and, uh, and we'll keep pushing that, I think. Is uh, anything like that in the works? Would that yeah. be a state issue federal yeah, the, issue or? the PUDs are interested okay. in making that investment and so it's a matter of getting legislation through here that can make it through here that um, it's always a sensitive issue um, and uh, especially where you have other businesses that are trying to uh, you know use private dollars and uh, okay. and uh, how how we do that uh, is difficult. It's here. always complicated. Yeah. Even if you think, oh, this will be pretty easy. No, there's always. Yeah, it's it's not always easy. But so there's that that infrastructure, the highways. Um, you know, we've been fairly successful mm-hmm. over the years in getting uh, bridges replaced, and mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, there's things. Uh, the the stretch of highway between Raymond and Aberdeen mm-hmm. is built through that marine clay hills and it's fractured and mm-hmm. and uh, have some failures in places. Uh, Cosmopolis Hill, Kazi Hill, we call it, um, is sliding at the moment as we oh speak. My. And uh, and so how we 
engineer and, and fix those problems. Um, and uh, but keep our ports humming. The the, the rail system um, into Grays Harbor. We you know, want keep promoting uh, investment into that. It's a short line railroad, privately owned. Uh, encourage them to make that rail more robust. Mm. Um, uh, there was a series of derailments uh, a few years ago of grain shipments and mm. and uh, those grain cars are very heavy and sure. uh, and uh, so we need that rail strong. All Some right, of the so bridges were built like in 1917. Oh so, sure, yeah, and probably getting and, ready for and you know steel bridges um, they last a long time yeah. as long as you maintain them. Yeah, but, but they need they need to that maintenance and I yeah. guess you always need to be prepared for have a plan for what if we need to replace this or do some serious so so infrastructure is indeed really important um and then we've talked about you know timber uh what are the chances of um do you foresee like a real a serious effort say in the legislature of you know in light of sort of the wake-up call of the 2016 election, more of a serious effort from both sides of, we need to address, we really need to address these issues and, you know, look at this rural-urban divide um, and, you know, and not just coming at it from maybe the Seattle viewpoint, but understanding the different needs and um, concerns and lifestyles and economic situations of the more rural communities. Yeah, you know, I think there's a recognition here of in Olympia that that uh, rural Washington and rural America mm-hmm. um, is crying out to mm-hmm. be heard. Yeah, and uh, and I I think you'll see investment in infrastructure come out of our budgets this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's a renewed um, recognition of. You know, when I come, I have never seen the homelessness that I've seen in the last few years yeah. in my lifetime. Wow. And um, Was that after the Great Recession? Yeah, since the recession since is the recession. when it's really become, really become noticeable. I mean, uh, we've always had the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I suppose, you know, heroin addiction has oh, been yeah. around for a long time. From what I understand, there's a real, I don't know if you're seeing it's in your communities, but you know, you read about places like Ohio where heroin or, uh, you know, Oxycontin, I don't know, is literally the leading cause of death. Yeah. Um, or have you seen an uptick in oh, yeah. drug uses? Yeah. yeah. It's a and real scourge. It's a real, um, and we're using losing young people. Yeah, yeah, that's tragic. Uh, I mean, people are, are getting addicted um, in their teens and Ugh. and twenties, and uh, that hurts to see that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a difficult thing. I've been talking with folks about how to, um, and this is you know, I'm, this is in all of our communities. And, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's uh, but economic distress at fuels. Fuels yeah. the fire. I think it. Makes, I would imagine. Uh, it does, and I think it makes it more difficult for those addicted um, to see hope and climb out. Right. Absolutely. And uh, so, 
we're working on that. Yeah. I think the entire legislature recognizes that, mm-hmm. and, and uh, but it, boy, it's a difficult problem. Uh, um, and I don't have the answers. No. I wish I did. There's no simple answer because everything sort of it's tied in to everything else. And then there, are, you know, there are just aspects of you know, as we were talking, the dignity of work. There are things that you. Um, I guess that what spiritual or emotional or psychological needs that because we're human beings we're not just machines where oh we plug in this amount of funding and we'll get this result you know there's so, no. so many other factors that go into a commu- making a community um, yeah so it's difficult it's a real you know the transition I'm trying to make investments um, uh, into my towns and and work with my cities and mm-hmm. counties. Um, to uh, help them believe in themselves, right? And uh, uh, got a good, lot of good folks. You mm-hmm. know, they the uh, have been elected at lo- the local level, right. mayors and, and and city council people and county commissioners that are uh, trying to make a difference. Yeah. And, and so we'll turn it around. It's uh, um, uh, that, and that's the way the world works. We go right. through ups and downs, and uh, and. Uh, you know, I grew up in in uh, Aberdeen of the the '60s and mm-hmm. '70s, and and I remember as a kid how vibrant things were in the right. '60s, and uh, um, the several mills working here and there, and two and three shifts, and yeah, and uh, that kind of employment won't come back. Right. That level of mill work, sure. Um, so it's going to be different yeah. what we do, and and. Uh, um, we'll be more connected, I think, with the uh, with the heartland of the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got grain coming through our ports uh, on nice. both ends of the district now, yeah. and and further investment there. Uh, the biodiesel folks want to expand. Oh, wonderful! And uh, and uh, but there's some difficult regulatory hurdles that we're trying yeah. to understand. Um, the uh, the recent Orma decision, and, um, there was three crude oil exporters that were mm. uh, trying to export to Grays Harbor. Uh, I thought it was a little overkill uh, to um, that amount of uh, product coming to Grays Harbor yeah. was difficult. Two have pulled out, and I think the third one's just about... Uh, I think they've essentially pulled the plug on okay. those projects. I yeah. think that the market's changed uh, for one thing. Okay. But as part of that, there was a ruling based on a, a law that was passed in 1989 called the Ocean Resources Management Act. Okay. And it was meant to uh, make it very difficult to explore for oil off of our coast. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, and and. I have to say, I really don't think that's an appropriate place to explore for oil at sure. this point, and and support. I, rem- I think I remember when that was a big issue. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, well, the one of these facilities was challenged uh, using that law, and the the court ruled nine to nothing that uh, Orma did apply to that facility. Well, the the wording of the ruling has other investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that want to invest in Grays Harbor on the coast concerned. Sure. And kind of pulling back. 
That because uncertain. If you have that uncertainty, you're not gonna. Yeah, I mean, you're when you're talking about investment. investing three hundred million dollars, yeah, you, you got to be sure. If you don't know how your product, uh, proposal will be treated, will ORMA apply? Will it not apply? Yeah. Will you get two thirds of the way through the process and somebody will say ORMA applies? And, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Just t- like yes or no. Yeah. In a reasonable amount of time. And so folks want to know ahead of time. And so we're debating how we get that clarification. Because you're talking about significant investment, probably some pretty good jobs. Yeah. That could really, uh, you know, as long as it's all environmentally sound and all that. But Yeah, I I think we have to uh, be aware of of what folks are wanting to do and, and... we have a wonderful SEPA law sure. uh, in the south end of the district. Uh, um, there's projects that are going through that now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I have a bill called the Shot Clock Bill that seeks oh, I've to... I've heard about that. Yeah, tries to uh, uh, encourage the lead agencies to get through the process in two years. Yeah. Uh, while acknowledging that many of these projects we... All of us want them to take longer than two years. They're, right. they're in some cases where it makes a lot of sense. It really uh, does take that and, long. And in other cases, you know, you should be able to gather the information mm-hmm. uh, that will make the permitting uh, decisions informed mm-hmm. in two years. In two years. And yeah. that's the hope of the bill. It's aspirational, uh, and uh, I'm hoping that it passes. And uh, let's see if we can. We have a, um, the the bones of a good permitting system in this state, and and we need to make sure all of us that it's working properly. Right on both sides, on the protection, regulatory protection side, but also on the that it, the jobs and the economic growth side. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, you've given us some concrete examples of of um, things that could be done to help your constituents and probably other people throughout the state. And um, it's really great to know that there are uh, elected officials like you, and as you mentioned, some really some more of the lo- your local elected officials who are really working on this and concerned about it and engaged. Um, so we definitely wish you all the best, and we'd love to. Uh, to talk with you again. You bet. I believe the future is bright for Washington State and for rural Washington. I yeah. think there's just uh, things that we can do, um, and hopefully we can get it done. Uh, we've got some, some great legislators here from mm-hmm. both parties mm-hmm. and uh, uh, both chambers, and right. uh, I love working with all of them, and I think some good things can happen. That's great. Well, Representative Brian Blake, we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our listeners, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.